This is the Inclusion Interchange, a podcast from the University of Pittsburgh's Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. And here's the host of the Inclusion Interchange, Dr. Clyde Wilson-Pickett. Welcome to the Inclusion Interchange. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Wilson-Pickett, and I serve as Vice Chancellor for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion here at the University of Pittsburgh. I also serve as the university's Chief Diversity Officer. On the Inclusion Interchange, we talk to people from across our community who are making a difference and having a positive impact in the fields of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. This time, I'm pleased to welcome to our microphones with us, Lisa Upshur and Dr. B. Schindler from the Office of Health Sciences, Diversity, and Inclusion to share more about their work and their stories. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Glad you're with us. And so we'll start... Um, just an opportunity for you to introduce yourselves to our community. Uh, Lisa, I'll start with you. Talk to me more about uh, your background and what brought you to the University of Pittsburgh. Well, thank you, Dr. Pickett. So my name is Lisa Upshur, and I'm the director for the Office of Health Science, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. What brought me to, we'll start with what brought me back to Pittsburgh. Okay. So when I was a little kid, I grew up in West Virginia. And the big trip would be to come to Pittsburgh to go school shopping. And you would come through the Fort Pitt tunnels and the city would open up. So I fell in love. So my goal was to live in Pittsburgh. But I didn't get to the University of Pittsburgh till 30 years later. I served in the world of nonprofit where I was a community advocate, very focused on maternal child health, organ donation, and what it affected the minority community. So... When the opportunity to come here to be the director, it was like my, my job that I had been working for for 30 years. Very good. Well, certainly we're glad that you're with us and look forward to talking a bit more about um, the, the work that you've done, specifically in organ donation, uh, mm-hmm. as we think about health equity. Um, Dr. B. Schindler, yeah, so welcome, welcome. Thank Your you. opportunity. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, well, I'm the assistant director in the Health Sciences Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Office. And um, actually, I came here to Pitt in 2018. I was actually working on a math equity project with the Pittsburgh Public Schools. And one of their partnerships um, included the University of Pittsburgh Center for Urban Education. And so we came here one afternoon uh, as a team, and I had met some of the folks from Q um, at Pitt. And I was so impressed with the pedagogy and the dedication to specifically um, – spaces of humanizing sort of education and DEI work. uh, And I just felt like a a real true um, calling to come to the university. I hadn't really worked in higher ed yet. Obviously, in Pittsburgh Public, I was in an education space. um, But realizing that it was a a space of a lot of of power that could maybe make some shifts. uh, So I sort of immediately started looking for positions as the the grant project that I was uh, a part of was ending. Thank you. So you both have referenced this calling or connection to Pittsburgh. Uh, I certainly believe that our work, uh, the work to advance diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility is also a calling. Talk to me about what that means for you and how you find um, the opportunity to share the work that you do, but more importantly, to connect with the calling. I think it's important because I think it's just to make life a little easier for people to be kind to each other. Um, my career, as I said, as far as nonprofit, uh, we had women dying uh, as far as having uh, childbirth. 
Uh, we just kind of got through doing the, the rating around uh, black maternal child health and all the things that were affected with that. And I think the calling is the fact there there's a lot that happens in the minority, unrepresented community. And when you spend time in the community, uh, it lends you to want to make a difference. It lends you to make a change. And when you sit on both sides, when you look at the professional versus the community, that's that window that's in the middle, uh, that if you have an opportunity to make a change, that's the window you take. Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of leaning into into what you're what you're speaking to, I was a journalist for many years, and what I realized kind of quickly um, building off of my own sort of younger childhood sort of discrimination around some elements in my neighborhood, um, uh, I um, started really forming this sort of understanding and awareness of narrative um, and how we talk about people's stories, right, and how those stories then build um, toward microaggressions and implicit bias and how that then shapes policy and access and resource and all of those things, right? Um, But as a journalist, I was sort of sent out to be this objective person telling this sort of um, this sort of narrative of which, of course, I was uh, benefiting right by having a byline and not really understanding how to take that story to move the needle. Um, And so uh, my work is often very situated in understanding the true sort of um, complexity right of people, community identity right, so that we can start to um, build empathy and, and, and move things that way. I want to lead in just a bit there. You talk specifically about the opportunity for us to share narrative and the importance of story as it relates to our interactions, our relationships, but certainly the work that we do. Uh, If you both would, talk to me about the ways in which you're sharing the story of the office and the way that your work is transforming not only the university, but in many ways the social determinants of health. Talk to me a bit about that and for our listeners, why that's important and some of the ways that you're having impact. Well, I think for our office, we're like the conduit for six schools where we're developing our pharmacists and we're developing our doctors and our nurses. That's a very optimal place to be. Uh, because people don't realize the injustices we'll have just because they had no idea how to, as B has said, make it human on just dealing with their communities. And communities are very fearful. Uh, they talk about the fear of the white coat, and they have a lot of justified reasons why. And actually, it's unfortunate for us the white coat because they never got the education or the background on how to work with the community. So one of our biggest jobs is to lend ourselves to educate the professionals that we're developing on that community touch. And that's one of the things we want to make the difference with. We have a set of diversity deans that oversee all six of our schools. So therefore, that is the jump-off point for us, matriculating information into those schools on why this is important, what we do. The other is the fact that we have uh, another group um, that we are bringing in for as physicians and doctors uh, that are from underrepresented communities uh, to even add to that touch, to bring their story uh, to pit, and to also look at what things they have went through in order to share and make a difference with Pitt. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think getting to that why 
is something that our office really is focused on. Um, when we think about social determinants of health, we're thinking about, right, of course, there's that narrative. We're unpacking, I think, how we've reduced people and things to an essence, right? And we're sort of asking folks, um, and, and through um, trainings, workshops, courses, we do curriculum review, that sort of stuff, right? Or at least that's the role that I do, mostly. Uh, um, but we're asking folks to sort of unpack why we've reduced folks to an essence and how that's easier than learning or relearning the person in front of us, right? And so I often remind folks, especially in the health sciences, right, if our, if our North Star is health equity, um, that we have to first see ourselves, how have we perpetuated those sort of um, inequities, right? Uh, and then how we can start to see that we've been reduced too, right? We've been, we've been reduced from a very complex form of ourselves, right? And then how we can easily do that to other folks, especially in a professional space, right? Because we're just saying, okay, you're these couple of things, and now we're just going to give you this treatment, right? And then next, right? And we're going to do the same thing as opposed to um, tell me about yourself, right? Imagine if we treated all of our uh, patients or the folks for whom we're working with on research like a podcast interview, right? Where we're actually taking the time to be like, let's sit down and chat. You know, I want to sure. get to know you so that our stuff is relevant and sustaining and that we're not then just recycling the status quo. You know, otherwise we're not really going to achieve any equity, right? We've, we've, barely, we've barely even asked the good question to even think about meeting people where they are. It's just impossible. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's dig in there just a bit. So you, yeah. you, you were referencing and talking specifically about this idea of authentic connection, yes. understanding each other, and specifically moving in a direction. And you referenced equity. And mm. so, B, I'll start with you. Sure. What does equity mean for you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I think equity, you know, I think the classic definition is sort of um, identifying what people need um, and meeting folks where they are, right, to get to that point. Um, so equity is essentially building in the time, right, to engage the transparency and vulnerability of self so that we can have, you know, sort of reciprocal uh, communication and an end. Um, and then rethinking and reimagining, I think, solutions, right, and resources so that we can truly get folks to, as we say often in the university, to thrive and not just survive, Right. To me, that's truly equity. Okay. Lisa, how about you? I don't think uh, equity is a one-stop shop. It's because for equity for one person may be something totally different for someone else. And I think it's important for us to, uh, when we're developing plans or thinking about how do we make a difference, we have to look at the whole picture, and it takes space, and it takes time. Uh, and like I said, lending yourself to be a part of that picture just to see where it goes. So when I think about equity, like I said, it's not like say you may have someone that is four foot ten and someone else six foot two. Their equity far as trying to see over a fence will never be the same. So I think we have to look about what would be the difference on how we do solutions of equity for everyone. Right. So you talk about that impact for different communities. As you know, much has been made about the public headwinds associated with the attacks on the work for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Talk to me about the ways in which you are countering those efforts, but more importantly, telling the story of the work that you do. I think it's critical for us as we think about our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, and for those of us who are in this work, to tell the story about how we're having impact. Talk to me about the ways in which you're 
speaking to the folks who would question our work and the ways in which you're prioritizing how to get through to them the ways in which we're having impact. One of the things that we're really majorly talking about is language and communication. Uh, we just published, uh, we, wrote, we wrote our mission and vision goals. So therefore, to be able to have the language to say, we're here, we're wanting to make a difference, and these are the things that we want to do in the breadth of how we work our office. So, and as I was saying before, we have a very broad reach as far as even the collaborations that we have with the university. This is a community within itself. So the directors, the chancellors, all of us, we're having those meetings, we're having those conversations on what we can do to make a difference, to let everybody know that we are still supporting, we are not changing our philosophies, and Pitt's still a good place to call home. Yes, I, I keep wanting to echo you. That's why I love working with you. Um, <laughs> no, but absolutely, language, right, and thinking about communication. Um, last week I was doing... Um, back-to-back-to-back onboardings, right, for new students coming into Pitt. And I really, truly, I brought to the forefront um, this trying to be transparent, right, this conversation that's happening, this sort of ongoing conversation about, is this DEI stuff needed? Can we just sort of get this stuff away already? You know, could we just sort of end this conversation? And one of the things that I brought up was – was language, but through the framework of uh, misinformation, mm-hmm. right? I just think there's some misconceptions around what DEI, what um, social justice really truly looks like, right? And so I start to unpack that with folks, right? So with the students that are in front of me, like like we're doing here, what does it mean to you, right? And then we start, of hear, we start hearing the collective definitions around the room and starting to wonder, Oh, it seems like there's certain like different camps of sort of understanding. How can we give example to those things? How can we start finding pattern? How can we start to disrupt some of those maybe sort of misaligned misconceptions or misaligned conceptions? <laughs> wow. So, so that we can start getting to what we're really talking about. Again, going back to the why, which is we are just trying to humanize this work, right? We all want the best for each other. And, and if we really truly do, like, what does that look like? Right. How does that facilitate? Because we had a car, we had a communications meeting the other day, and it was interesting. They were like, "Well, we didn't think that you all were allowed to talk about that." And I said, "Me and B can have a conversation and never mention the word and still discuss the whole situation. Yes, yes, yes. It's not what you say; it's how you say it." Okay. And they were kind of like shocked. Well, I, I didn't know. I said, "Well, you're not quite ready yet, so we're not going to let you talk. So, but we'll talk about <laughs> it, and we'll take it from there." <laughs> Well, we're going to take a break. You're listening to the Inclusion Interchange. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Wilson-Pickett. We'll be right back, uh, and you'll hear more from Lisa Upshur and Dr. B. Shenley. For more information about the Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, visit our website at diversity.pitt.edu or find us on social media at Pitt Diversity. Welcome back to the Inclusion Interchange. We're talking about Pitt's wide-ranging efforts to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, and specifically in the schools of health sciences. And of course, our guests are B. Schindler and Lisa Upshur. And so we'll lean in just a bit to what you offered before we took a break, specifically the conversation about social justice. Um, I know that you're working proactively to apply a social justice focus to your work, Talk to me about that focus and the ways in which it's having an impact on what you do. Right. So social justice in the health sciences, diversity, equity, inclusion uh, space is not necessarily new. Uh, some of the colleagues in, in, on our team 
really position social justice as being actually very similar to this concept of equity, right? Which is, again, social justice is really just meeting the needs of those for whom we're, we're working alongside or working for and with, right? Social justice is, is ensuring that folks have what they, um, what they desire, right, to move forward and to progress, uh, that's individually, that's, you know, on a community sort of basis, that's societally. Um, and so the the explicit in, uh, attention to, right, social justice has recently in the past couple of years sort of come up uh, through um, a couple of various programs. We have a social justice fellowship that is uh, finalized last year, and we're moving into the second iteration the concept of the fellowship, which felt exciting, was that we would have a faculty from each of the six schools of health sciences, folks who were dedicated to this process of social justice, right? And wherever they were on the spectrum, either they've been doing that work for many years or they're just kind of budding, um, that then we would pair this faculty with a community partner, right, to really um, engage outside of the campus space, understand how does their practice, right, in the health sciences, how does that actually manifest, you know, in real life when working on the day-to-day with the community? What are your needs? What are your uh, joys? But what we found after that year, even though it was successful, what we found is that we also want to insert this interdisciplinary approach because how cool is it that our department is working with the six schools of health sciences, but where we were sort of falling short was actually intersecting those, right? So this iteration, we're thinking about partnering with one community partner, and the six schools of health sciences, one faculty from each of those schools, would then be working with one partner, so that when we come together on Mondays to just talk about the work, how's it going out there, that there's sort of a shared universal understanding of, okay, we're all talking about this community partner. I'm seeing it from this medical lens. I'm seeing it from the public health lens, from the pharmaceutical lens, right? And so then folks in that way can start to see the multiplicity of an issue, right? And then sort of attack that issue, right, from the social justice component, which is, well, we can we can get what you need medically through this way or through public health sort of this way, right? And so that way we're modeling how that could really look. Uh, so that's really attacking the you know determinants of health uh, yeah. from a holistic point of view. Yes. Um, as B shared before, uh, I said the other year was the first time we did the fellows. And they were kind of like in different spaces. One dealt with autism, one dealt with community, one dealt with the community health center. They all brought different um, adventures or journeys, shall I say, into the community. But the time span was not long enough. It was a little too short for them to actually get what we wanted them to get. Because the other part to it is, even though you're helping the community, what do you get out of it? And again, that's where we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. What's your walk away? Did you become a different person? How did you feel about it? You know, was it was what you thought it was, or did you be able to immerse into the community and become a part of it? So with this new thought and how we're looking at it, this would be like a six-year span uh, that whenever the fellows graduate, the next set of fellows would take over. So therefore, we would have a time span to see what that did, plus is giving back to the communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we're kind of looking at that far as really attacking those determinants of health, 
matching the six schools with it and then seeing how it turns out. Because the other part too is I, I kind of laugh because I showed up like right when they were first starting this program and I said, oh, this is going to be good, you know, because <laughs> I wanted to see. Because there was a few that I'm like, they ain't never been no further than Fifth Avenue in Pittsburgh. So I want to see what they do when they go to the rural community, you know. So it was good. It was a learning experience. But it taught us some things too that we needed to do more around that because how we started this conversation, we're developing professionals that will work and enjoy the communities. Sure. I want to talk just a bit about your partners. Who's helping you with this work? And so talk to me about some of the ways you're working collaboratively across the university and how that's making a difference in the work that you do. Absolutely. Like I said, this is DEI. So DEI is everywhere. Uh, we have our relationships with RISI. Um, we have and our, for those who might not know, RISI is? Racial Equity Consciousness Institute. Institute. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I, I say I still need a book on all the different ways. Yeah, really uh, led by Ron Adoko right. and the Center for Race and Social Problems in the School right. of Social Work. And, you know, we work with the provost's office. We work with uh, your shop. Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Thank O-E-D-I. <laughs> But anyway, the the whole thing is we have to come together as a unit. None of us can stay in silos. None of us can stay in our own houses. It takes all of us to come together as a full unit to make this thing work. You know, if and me and B was talking a little earlier about pushing the needle. Can't push it by yourself. It, it's a team effort. Um, you know, they was like, "Where's the teamwork?" Yeah, we have to do a team. You know. And the fact that we communicate well with each other, we sit down and we come to the table together, those is, that is something different that a lot of colleges don't do. And it's very important because we spent some time um, at an institute a few months ago um, through Nataha. And, you know, just talking to them and trying to understand how their DEI uh, programs worked. Uh, at that point, it was really scary because some of them were fearful that they wasn't going to have a job because some things were going to be phased out, uh, that they were going to have to change titles. Uh, and to be able to be very proud to say, well, we come to the table and we talk together. It wasn't just like one person sitting alone trying to figure it out. Yeah. I know. I feel like one of my favorite partners, although it's sort of a, it's a, it's a collaborative, right? But um, the diver- we, well, we, they're affectionately called sort of the diversity deans in the health sciences, which is essentially one of these sort of deans with varying titles, but essentially that's, you know, it's some justice component dean uh, in each of the six schools of health sciences. Every month, Mm -hmm. uh, this group comes together, right? And it's like a twofold thing. One is like a, ah, we're in good company, (laughs) right? And you can see that that's happening of like, this is happening in my school or my space, or there's just the need to breathe with each other. And then there's also problem solving in that space or like what have you done to sort of um, address this type of um, concern, right? Or I'm coming up against this group who doesn't, you know, quite believe in this work. How, how have you sort of pushed that story, right? And um, it makes me super excited. I mean, it's a built-in, it's a built-in partnership and collaboration that, that we do, but I, I do, um, it has so many beautiful components to it. It does make me really happy. One of the things we're really working with them is to find the commonalities between them, yeah. to start lining in that, because even though they're in different houses, they have different shops, they have different uh, professional backgrounds, there's a thread of commonality that is running amongst them to be able to, sh- to share into the rest of the community of the students and the staff that they serve. So that's a big project we're getting ready to take on to look at the job descriptions, develop the 
compare the commonalities and how do we bring them together to speak one voice. So that's a big project we're taking on as far as the diversity things are concerned because they need that. Because, you know, they're, they're bringing stuff to the table, but we need to be able to tie it together to go back out. Absolutely. Well, you point to the need for consistency and connection in our mm-hmm. work. And so as we look at this as a university community, I think that's critical for us to prioritize how we are moving consistency and equity in many ways forward in terms of the work that we do. Two references for the listeners that I want to make sure we share. One, you referenced Natahee National Association of Diversity Offices in Higher Education and specifically um, the Standards of Professional Practice Institute, which Mm -hmm. is a preparatory um, opportunity for aspiring senior diversity officers. And of course, uh, RISI, the Racial Equity Consciousness Institute, made famous by Ron Doko, who is, of course, uh, quite connected to our office as this was uh, brought forward during his time with the Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, and a champion. And so I want to make sure that uh, we, we give appropriate attention. And Ron will be a guest with us uh, in a future podcast, so we're excited. But you are with us today. We'll take a pause uh, for our conversation right now. You're listening to the Inclusion Interchange. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Wilson-Pickett, and we will be right back. If you have a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our email address is diversity at pitt.edu. And so we're back with the Inclusion Interchange. With me are my guests, Lisa Upshur and B. Schindler. And this is our last opportunity for connection today. And so just a few more questions before we conclude our time. And I'll tease this one up for you and give you an opportunity to respond. Certainly, we're at the beginning of a semester, the academic year. What are you excited to share with the listeners for what's ahead for the year? I think we're real excited just to kind of let them know that we are are here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that they don't know the office exists. Unless when we put out something on social media, the fact that we just did something really great. We did a student affairs uh, work job fair. And we met like 200 kids put in for applications to work in our office. Mm -hmm. It gave us the opportunity for the kids to know that we're there. We're here to help them. Uh, Had a lot of different conversations. So that was something that was really new uh, that we hadn't done before. It's just spending time down in the student union, being within the breath of the students. So we're trying to get a student uh, to be assistant because that is a community that we really want to spend time in. We want them to do the tabling events. We want to hear from the students. We want to hear what they're thinking, what their needs are, what their concerns are, because we realized that that was a piece that we were missing. You know, we, we hear when the complaints are going on, but we don't hear when things are good going on. So therefore, we want to have a student be a part of our team. Uh, so that's something new that we're going to be doing. Yeah, I'm also doing some student-focused work. Uh, I'm grateful to be doing the uh, facilitating the racism in medicine course uh, that just started this past week. And I'm also doing academic foundations this year, which comes through the Dietrich School. Um, But they asked me to do a social justice sort of component to their typical academic foundations, which is essentially a a 12-week class where you're guiding uh, undergraduates on how to be successful in college, right? But what I'm bringing to it, since I'm allowed to build my own curriculum, especially through the social justice lens, is... And it's the same for racism in medicine and some other work that we're doing, which is, again, modeling the idea of having dialogue, 
right, as a way to think about your learning um, so that we're, you know, a lot of spaces around the university that we're a part of, they're doing this idea of a flipped classroom, right, front-loading sort of some of the more didactic work so that when we're actually in connection, mm-hmm. we're having conversation and reflection, oh, how did, that, how did that relate to you? Or what did you think that that meant, right? And I know that that feels so sort of foundational, but we have to recommit, and it seems that we are, to bringing it back to that space of reflection and narrative. And again, I think that is how people start to understand how, uh, how to make the change that we're, we're really sort of um, fostering or we're hoping to foster. So I'm, I'm so excited about it. I'm really excited because, like I said, this is a fresh year. This is a fresh start as uh, far mm-hmm. as even just uh, what we are doing this year. So, like I said, we're doing the student networking, uh, the training, the mentoring, uh, big things that we're doing in the community that we hadn't did. And when I reflect to the community, I'm talking about the University of Pitts community. This mm-hmm. is what we're doing as uh, far as just getting more information out to continue to build on that equity, diversity, and inclusion that we bring to the community. Well, of course, we appreciate all that you do for the community. But as you know, it can't just all be about work. And so I want to take the opportunity to ask you both a question as we think about this work, and specifically we referenced early that this work is a calling. As practitioners, as scholars, as researchers, we are immersed in this work, but there needs to be balance. So my final question to to each of you is how do you find balance? How do you reset and make sure that you're recharging? A couple things. First of all, I think it has to be a lifestyle, so therefore it's a part of who you are and what you do. I think the other part as far as me recharging, I'm big into self-care, so, you know, nails, hair, whatever, that's where I invest my time sure. when I want to get a break. And then I'm grandma. So, therefore, I hang out with my grandson, and I'm going to WWE wrestling. So, like I say, I do some stuff that's, like, kind of off the main track because you, I have a grandson. <laughs> I try to, a couple of things, I mean, really in the moment sort of um, tool offering, right, is that I really make sure that I take the time between my actual work building and the bus, say. Um, I I tend to take the further bus stop so that I have time to transition. It's really important to me that I transition between sort of a workspace and a I'm going home space. Um, And to that end, because it's so entrenched right in Mm -hmm. myself, this work, I have a... um, an almost seven-year-old, he will tell you he is six and three quarters, uh, <laughs> right? And so there's a lot of joy in that space because we are silly. Mm-hmm. But I also get the chance to, I'm not really off, right? The lessons that I'm trying to impart are always rooted in being a good person and having this concept of social justice be threaded through everything that he does, right? But we get to do that in super silly ways with magnet tiles and, you know, releasing him on his bike and, you know, right, just thinking about his own sort of way that he takes up the world and how we're interacting. Um, that really that really brings me a lot of joy and fills my well, right? And that's an everyday thing, thank goodness, right, when I get home. So. One of the things I tell the whole team is, and when you're on vacation, be on vacation. Yeah, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to see you. I don't want you. Well, I'll just lean into a call. Be on vacation. Yeah. Right. So the need to have lifestyle. Well, mm-hmm. Lisa B., we so thank you for spending time with us and being on the Inclusion Interchange. More importantly, we thank you for the work that you do for our community. We really appreciate all the, your efforts, the effort to make a difference, and, and on behalf of the entire community, thank you. To our listeners, thank you for listening once again to an episode of the Inclusion Interchange. We will see you soon. Take care. 
You've been listening to The Inclusion Interchange, a podcast from the University of Pittsburgh's Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Technical support for this podcast is provided by the Center for Teaching and Learning. For more information about the Office for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, visit our website at diversity.pitt.edu or find us on social media at Pitt Diversity. The Inclusion Interchange is produced by Jay Toger for OEDI.